We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 145 on Crescent Sanatorium and Prison Part 2, The Paranormal Investigation. Yeah. Did you like how I Frenchified it? I do. <laughs> so in part one, we discussed the history of the sanatorium, then becoming a mentally handicapped hospital, then becoming the penitentiary, and all the things in between. And this mm-hmm. time we're going to talk more about the building itself, or the buildings, because there's tons of them. Um, and then some of my experiences and my cousin's experience and kind of just go through some other things that have been found there. So before we get into it, I don't really have any business. Do you have any business? No. Like, share, subscribe? Like, share, subscribe. Every time. I did just finish that Duggar uh, documentary in preparations for us doing an episode on that oh my god it's cringe worthy it's so bad but it's so good like crack terrible i have always been obsessed with the duggars whenever it came on whenever it was just like a special it started as a special of these just i think then it was like 16 kids and counting or something did you watch that Oh, I watched it religiously. I watched that. I watched when it all the way up to 19 kids and counting. Then I watched the individual ones where it was counting on with the adult kids. It just blew my mind how the other, like how other people live. I, what are the episodes about them doing like house chores and stuff? Yeah, they did a lot of like mission work. They did how they ran their household, the businesses they were involved in, raising the children. They did not show any of the stuff like the blanket training that they talk about. I don't know. Have you gotten oh, to that yeah, part? Because they could not. Oh, I finished it. I finished the four episodes. So I saw all of it. Oh my God. It Yeah. They, that was never, it was always happy, mild, just even keeled voices nobody got mad because they already beat the shit out of them so yeah Yeah. they didn't have to raise their voice well i'm really glad that the adult children jill in particular is heavy in this documentary explaining like her story because i'm sure that that's super hard because you you know i'm sure she she loves her family but there's some crazy things and it is such a cult yeah it's very interesting. My heart broke for her oh, talking yes. about her brother and like how n- things were never supposed to be out. And that just makes me so sad for her. It does to it, live with that. That's I don't know. It's awful. terrible. But it's also like, you know, the parents let that monster live in their house. And really, mm-hmm. I feel like in their mind, they were trying to do the best they could with the resources that they had to fix the problem and throw Jesus. I think they just tried to throw Jesus at it. Yeah. I I do. I think in their (laughs) mind. I do not agree with that, but you know what? I didn't watch this show. All I saw was this documentary, but I maybe they had deluded themselves so much that that was the right answer. I guess. 
I mean, it wasn't the right answer, but, but that's what they thought was the best course. But I think they thought that was the best course to save their own asses. Probably true also. Are we going to be talking about this in our later episodes? Oh, yeah. Let's just save it. Let's just save it. Anyway, yeah. shouldn't have well, even brought it up, but I did finish it. <laughs> well, it's really good. Um, that is really good. There's an Anna Nicole Smith uh, documentary that's on Netflix. It's really good um that is going to be an episode also in the future so we've got the duggars coming up and anna nicole smith because both of them i watched the anna nicole smith show also because mm -hmm. that's just how i live my life um oh i do have a book recommendation oh proceed so we last episode i shouted out my goodreads nobody's added me yet which whatever <laughs> but you should <laughs> it's alley fantastical on goodreads if you want to know what i'm reading um but i so i've subscribed to book of the month and i get a new book every month and th this last time i got the last word by taylor adams and it is so good it kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time um the lady in it that's being essentially attacked is actually smart not a dumb one that you know like all the scary movies so it's like good for women also and nice there is a dog involved and i was nervous the whole time but it's gonna be okay and it's just really good it's i, I did not see the twists and the turns ever in this book so highly recommend it and follow me on goodreads ally fantastical just the way it sounds just the way it sounds yep all right nice. well that's all okay <laughs> all right let's get into this why don't you get us started on um a few more tidbits of information about crescent all right Within the 100-year history of the property, there was an estimated 30,000 to 40,000 deaths on site and is known to be a paranormal trifecta as the three main portions of its history as a sanatorium, a mental hospital, and prison are some hotspots in the paranormal field. We talked about that last episode mm -hmm. where it's like, those are the places you go to visit and it's a, a three for one. All right there. It's situation. crazy. Today, there are over 34 buildings to explore, which is a lot. The property is the biggest. I mean, we've been on a handful of investigations, right? But never. It's it's wild. It's just wild. buildings is crazy. The rule of thumb is if a door is open, you're free to go in, but they stress not to shut any doors behind you, which is mm. terrifying. <laughs> Right. Because what if it closes behind you and you didn't close it? I mean, that would be absolutely terrifying. Right. And then what? Right. You're you screwed. Just, you just cry. Yeah. <laughs> morning. Since it was a functioning prison, there are locks everywhere and there's a room full of 15 boxes worth of keys that they would have to dig through to find the one that unlocks the door you closed. Yeah. Or somebody else closed. Right. So you're going to be in there for a while. Luckily, most of the buildings have multiple exits, which sometimes can cause confusion on where you are at the map 
like they provide a map when you go and Mm -hmm. because of that you may not know where you're coming in and out there's no electricity on the property so after the sun goes down the only light you have is from the flashlight that you brought we suggest a mag light so you can see the numbers on the buildings to see where you are on the map so you need a good flashlight not like the dollar store flashlights correct yes (laughs) And they do provide a phone number to call in the event that you have an emergency or you get lost. And we almost had to use that phone number. Um, And we'll talk about that a little later, but we got really lost. Um, It's because the property is so massive. There was probably about, I don't know, 30-ish maybe people at the investigation. And for a property that size, you can essentially feel like you're there by yourself because you can go into any building that you want. Um, so it's just, it, it was so wild and I've never been, we went to Mansfield prison, but we didn't really get to go outside. Um, Mm -hmm. and the perimeter is locked by all of this barbed wire. I've never seen so much barbed wire in my life. I'm surprised that people don't try to steal it and like sell it for scrap metal or something like that. Yeah. It's wild. And you're all enclosed in this, you know, and on this property and you can't get out. So it's just, it's wild. And at nighttime, so you're outside, you're inside, you're walking around, you have no idea where you're going. There's multiple exits, which makes you distorted. And the only way you can find it is by shining your big ass mag light onto the buildings to figure out what building you're near and try to place yourself on the map. And I am not christopher columbus i don't know about maps how is your cousin with maps terrible i told her i said (laughs) this is why rachel needs to be here because she's my map person she will tell me how to go and get out of things and we did not have you you poor thing i was terrified that i could not join you and my but so it was my cousin christy and her daughter jc and jc um, is young. We'll say she's 16. Cause that's how old you have to be, uh, to go to this investigation and they've never done anything like this before. So while yes, we have a couple investigations under our belt, I would not say that I'm a seasoned investigator. I know the ropes, but that's about all I know. And I had to be the lead And that was wild, too, because you're in this huge place. I was the one going in first all the time, which actually I was fine with. It wasn't too bad, but Mm -hmm. I typically do not like to go first. I like to be like third in a line of five. Yeah. (laughs) When we were at um, in Louisville, I don't Mm -hmm. know why my brain's completely Waverly. Waverly, yes. And we went down that body shoot tunnel mm-hmm. and we went down and I was first to go down. And then when we got down to the bottom and turned around to go back up and I realized that I was last, I literally like crawled over my husband. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I cannot be at the bottom of a tunnel that somebody could reach up and snatch me down <laughs> through. <laughs> like, no, I well, will that not was- be back here and like that something could touch me or I could hear something mm-hmm. which I feel like I made myself do 
<laughs> right. You do. You put your, you know, you start hearing things and you get that, like, just like going down in the basement. And That's what you I was going to say, like going up the stairs mm -hmm. after you turn all the lights off behind you, like you were, you want to run. And I couldn't run because there's too many people in front of me and it was slippery. Well, I was the first, I was the last one down and the first one going up, but then people had to start going around me because I was a lot heavier back then. It was hot as shit. And I did not know if I was going to be able to make it all the way up. Like that was yeah. the most exercise I probably ever had in a long time at that point. And I was like, oh my God, you can't leave me. Like you cannot leave me because I was Nobody starting to was panic. Nobody was going to leave you. No, everybody stayed <laughs> with me and they, they were, you all were great, but that was like, okay, if there was a serial killer, I'd be dead to run. Yeah. <laughs> Just count me out, like, bye. <laughs> Shine your flashlight here. down so I can at least see something. But no, it's, <laughs> and there, there are, so that was essentially a tunnel in Waverly. And there is a tunnel here um, also that we'll talk about, I think, last. Um, yeah. But that's where we got lost also, unfortunately. Yeah. No, you definitely need at least somebody that is good with general direction mm and yeah mm -mm, not me not the one no because there's no running water or electricity they have set up home base um which is some place that runs off a generator and that's a place where you can come back at any point during the investigation to rest get snacks drinks they provide snacks that was and drinks. nice yeah they had good yeah. snacks too. Like what? Like they had in Pennsylvania, they have Snyder chips. Mm -hmm. I love them chips. They had those, they had Pringles, they had Coke, Diet Coke, Mountain Dew. I mean, they didn't cheap out. This wasn't like great value stuff. This was nice and it was available the whole night. Nice. So they start you out as a group and do about a 45-minute investigation, and then you can either decide to stay with them and explore more for another 45 minutes, or at that point, you can go off on your own. Allie and her cousin decided to go off on their own, and... Yeah, I don't know if that was a smart move or a not smart move. I typically... I don't like people watching me, you know? I... I want to feel like I'm by myself and I can be free to explore, not afraid to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and be like watched. So yeah. we, I, I asked them, you know, cause it was really up to them what they felt comfortable with, especially since it was their first investigation. And I kind of prodded them towards going on our own, but a part of me wishes because I, I couldn't find my spirit box. So all we had was a digital recorder. They had things that you can check out so they had the cat balls that we had used at brownella and waverly where their motion activated and then we had an emf detector and they also had the dousing rods so we had all of those things um but really the spirit box i think is where you get the most bang for your buck um you can communicate easily more easily yeah so part of me wishes that we would have stayed with them. I think we would have gotten more, um, more experiences for them to kind of drive the point home that this is, you know, real. Um, yeah. but I mean, it, 
I like to explore it. Being by yourself in a big ass place like this is also something to experience also. So I don't know. I, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, it is about a hundred dollars for the investigation and the investigation was from 8 PM to 2 AM, which is the, I mean, standard, Mm -hmm. but, but the experience doesn't sound standard. Normally they're a little bit more structured, right? Or there's more people like you get the run of the place and, you know, can use their equipment and all of that. So that's really nice. Yeah, it it was very freeing um, that they just open the doors and buy, like have fun. Because typically, you know, like Brownella when we were there, that was a house and we could go wherever we wanted in the house, but it was still a house. And you can still hear everybody. Like even when we were up in the attic, you could hear people down below any of the rooms you went into. You could hear people. And these were all people that we brought. There was not that many people there. Right. But you could still like. There's a lot of noise pollution again. And I do remember they asked us, the people that were running the investigation, asked us if we wanted to go into the basement by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, uh, I would rather die. Thank you. Well, <laughs> they always say that right after they tell you the most horrible things that occurred oh, yeah. in the basement. And they're like, you want to go down there by yourself? Um, no, right. thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, absolutely not. We did all end up going down there and... I was terrified down there with like five or seven people. However well, many people we had, I was still scared. So <laughs> and that's that where the spirit box said my name twice was yeah, down there. And, and Cole's name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for this one, so we started, I'll kind of give you like a rundown of what we're going to talk about where we started um, and next. But after we did this, cell block E, which is what we're going to talk about next. I decided that I wanted to get as far away from everybody as I could because we didn't want any noise pollution. And I kind of just wanted to explore the property. So cell block E is almost the furthest building. Um, It's the closest to the other buildings, but there's also um, building B, building seven and building D, and it is on the farthest side of the property. So you start on one side, you walk to E and then further then is those other three buildings and they're out on an island essentially. I mean, they, nobody would hear you. (laughs) Nobody would hear you. And me, I'm like, let's go there first because everybody's probably going to go to the ones closest. And then also there was a 2 a.m. cutoff time, right? So I know myself and I know I'm terrible with maps. And I'm like, I want to start far away as early as possible and then work our way back. So we're as close to home base as possible whenever 2 a.m. hits because I'm not being left here overnight. Mm -mm. So we booked it and, and we have, I have a, um, copy of the brochure that they give you, which I was really worried about in the beginning. They, in that area, there is really spotty cell phone signals. And especially in the massive buildings that they have on the tunnels, you're not going to get reception. There is like a virtual map that you can look and see where you are, but I'm glad that they give you this brochure because we used it a lot um, because we didn't have, plus usually, you know, I didn't have like a digital camera or anything like that. So all the pictures and videos that I took were from my cell phone. We brought some power banks, 
which I highly suggest you bring also if you go because your battery just drains so fast with doing all of that stuff. Um, but we also, and I don't think I talk about it in the other ones, so we'll just get this out of the way. So while we decided to go the furthest out, there was a guy who we had met in the beginning and he was by himself. He travels all over doing these investigations. He's still kind of, you know, skeptical, wasn't really sure, but he was a lone wolf and he was ready to go by himself. So we hit a couple buildings and every time we would get to this building, he would be there like exiting the building. And we were kind of joking like, oh, you know, he's probably a serial killer and all of this stuff. And we're just out in the middle of the woods where there's so many places to hide and he's just watching us. Like, obviously, he was a very nice man and that's not the case. But when you're by yourself, you know, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. So it was just odd. So we started at the furthest building. We had gone to the next building and he had just come out of it. He was going to go across the street to another one of the buildings And then all of a sudden we hear this like scuffling and he comes running back into the building and he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? He's like, I was in the other building and I heard a noise. So I looked outside and shined my flashlight and I saw a person on the outside of the fence running their hands along the chain link fence. And if that's not a vision in a scary movie, I don't know what is. Yeah, no, he's like, he's like, I made noise. I yelled at him and they just kind of walked still running their hand down the fence. Now, kids used to break in to the prison all the time. Like there's tons of wooded area. I'm sure there's holes in the fence. These kids probably know exactly where to go. I'm sure it was just a kid not knowing that an investigation was taking place there. But to be three girls in the middle of nowhere with a possible serial killer already in front of us. (laughs) I didn't want to take any chances. So the guy's like, I'm going to go tell the other people that I saw this person out there. So he leaves us three (laughs) girls in the middle of the night to go find you so that you could like get be aware people yeah yes which i so appreciate that was such a kind thing for him to do because he didn't have to do that and if it was me i probably wouldn't have i probably would have been like i'm out run away (laughs) (laughs) right but no he came to warn us but then after that it kind of left me unsettled because i felt responsible for everybody in my party (laughs) being the quote-unquote lead investigator and i was like we gotta get (laughs) We got to get closer. We got to get closer to somebody that if something were to happen, they would hear us scream and they could come get us. <laughs> right. And, and this building all the way in the back, it ain't it. <laughs> no. So we were able to hit a couple of the buildings before that happened, but we we did miss some of them um, because of that, because we booked it back to civilization, essentially. So I would really like to go back and I would really like to be able to do more of that because whenever we got lost that ate up a lot of time also which we'll talk about um so it it just left me feeling really eerie the rest of the night and that happened like the second building so probably like an hour in that's what we were hit with that's not good no well we're gonna start at the beginning cell block e Cell Block E was built in 1987 and was a high-security cell block. 
while this is a fairly new building in regards to the tuberculosis sanatorium, there is a lot of activity that occurs there. The layout of E is similar to a bat wing. Is it? Yeah, I guess so. With 69 cells on each side, A block and B block. Yes. So this is the first place that they took us. So with the 45 minute. So it's kind of like two triangles next yeah, to each other. Like, like right yeah. angle triangles facing each other. They face out. So it's like a butterfly. Right. But the right angles are on the outside. What do you mean? Like this. It's and like then this. It's like triangles in. I'm literally looking at the map with a picture of the building. I can see it. It's like a <laughs> butterfly or a bat. Like two triangles together. I guess. If that's what Why you want to call it. You're both looking at the exact same thing. What do you mean you guess? I was there. <laughs> That doesn't change the shape of the building on the map, <laughs> but, but proceed. Yes. So this was the first place that we started at in a group setting. And like I said, we were with the group for about 45 minutes. Every time they do an investigation, they like to hold something that they called a vigil, which is basically just pouring energy into the place, sending out good vibes. Because, I mean, some dark things from a lot of different eras happened here, right? Right. So they told all of us to go. So all the lights were out. Um, we went to the right side first. And I don't know if, I think it was B block. Um, but we went to the right side first. They had everybody stand in front of a cell door and all the cell doors are open. We had to stand with our back um, away from the door. So our back was turned and basically the cell was behind us and we didn't know what was in there. And we all faced the front and we, they said their little, you know, their little spiel and they started talking to the spirits. They had one of the cat balls that was motion activated. They put that in the shower and pretty soon after the cat balls started lighting up whenever they would ask questions saying, if this is, you know, the case light up the cat ball, um, everybody was to stand still. If anybody's tummy grumbled or something like that, we had to call it out. So somebody didn't pick it up and was like, Oh my God, it was a freaking demon. No, it was just because right. my belly. <laughs> yeah. I had Taco Bell earlier or something. So, um, there was a lot of more activity and I don't know if that's because all of us, all 30 of us were in there at the same time and people were shuffling or whatever, but there were, nobody was on the top tier. So every cell block had a bottom tier and a top tier. Nobody was on the top tier and we heard footsteps walking across on the top tier. Um, I was about two doors down from a cell that we heard somebody audibly crack their knuckles. Like it was obviously a knuckle crack and nobody fessed up to doing it. And I don't think that, you know, anybody did. I think that was real. Um, we heard banging, uh, you know, little skitter scattering around. And it was a good place to start the investigation to kind of set the mood for the night. Mm -hmm. So I was not able, I do have a video that is kind of pitch black, um, of the cat ball lighting up. And I also have a video, uh, where you can hear the knuckle cracks. 
So I was not able to pull the audio from those videos, but we will post them on our Instagram and then you let us know what you heard or or anything like that. And, and it sucks for me because the spirit box, that's why I like it so much because I can differentiate a little bit more from what I'm hearing. But as far as like disembodied voices and things on um on an audio, just I, I can't, I don't have the ear for it. I can't pick yeah, them up. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, you really don't. I don't. You got it or you don't. I don't got it. And so, I feel like I got it, but I'm also like so easily persuaded that it's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't know. So I feel like I have audio recordings and I listened to them and I had my earbuds in and I like was pushing them as far in on my ears as they would go. I didn't hear anything, but that doesn't mean that there isn't anything there. <laughs> <laughs> you can send stuff to me and I'll listen. Okay. I'll have to do that because that's what I told Christy also. I was like, she's the got the golden ear. I Something could be in there. A lot of things could be in there and I'd never know. I think it's so funny that I can hear that stuff. But like, if you put me at a restaurant with friends and somebody's like, oh, do you hear the song playing? No, I do not. Like, I can't differentiate people talking if there's like room chatter mm -hmm. and music playing I have a hard time understanding what people are saying and I also could not pick out a song or anything like it all jumbles auditorily but I feel like when I listen to like that kind of stuff I can hear things I don't know you're like hyper focused on it or something like I don't yeah. know it's it's a and gift if there's if there's too much noise I'm like overburdened <laughs> and can't can't deal with it yeah, you you do have that golden ear. I don't I wish I had that cuz I cannot I cannot see anything. <laughs> but um we did then after we went to the forest part of the prison, um I wanted people to kind of clear out from E block, but I really wanted to go back by ourselves. Um because I wanted to to sh have them have experiences when there wasn't 30 people in the room. Right. So after we went to the furthest part, we worked our way back and we went back to E block. We went to the other side, which I believe is a, um, and we used the cat ball. We put them, it's like a mimic thing. So everything that was in B was in a, we put the cat ball in the shower. Um, we did not get any movement there. I did do some audio recordings. I did not hear anything, but we did hear a lot of like creaks. It almost sounded like somebody throwing a rock, um, and it hitting something, there, they had these window panes up in the um, ceiling for light. And I don't know, it was kind of getting colder outside. So I don't know if it could have been cracking from it getting colder. I, I don't, I can't say that it was paranormal, but I'll tell you in the dark with just three of you, it's scary. It felt paranormal. <laughs> it felt paranormal. Yes. <laughs> So um, investigators also claim that they see green eyes peering around corners. Don't like that. What's that look like? I don't know. I love green eyes, but when they're attached but to like, like a, a living body. A face. Yeah. You see the face or just the eyes? I, I don't know. I That gives me nightmares. Ew. Yeah, I don't love that. And also female investigators, I guess, get their butt touched a lot in this cell block your butt touched nobody touched my butt but again i'm not focused on 
people could be touching me all day long and i probably I feel would like not be in attention feel that. you would feel that i would probably chalk it up to oh as i probably brushed up against something because i'm clumsy i'll touch your know. butt sometime when we're touch my butt when you least expect it and i'll see if you notice <laughs> and then whenever i don't say anything you're gonna be like oh yeah okay you okay. probably have had your yeah. butt touched <laughs> probably here are some other accounts of things that have happened in building e courtesy of youraudiotour.com. And this is a quote from Rachel or almost. almost my first night investigating the Crescent property. I was standing in the doorway of a cell. I got a sudden whiff of menthol cigarettes. And then a few minutes later felt pressure on the back of my thigh. The pressure stayed even after moving and felt like a hand was grabbing my butt. I turned around and even though I knew no one was standing behind me, I've had several other encounters with shadow figures blocking out windows in the cells and even hearing a loud whistle that neither myself nor my fellow investigators made. Yeah, that was another Rachel. that was another big thing about um because even though it was dark out, you know, it's always essentially especially nine o'clock or so whenever we were there. There's still that dusk and it was lighter yeah. outside than it was inside. And you could definitely see um, the light penetrating through the windows. And a couple people said that they heard or saw people moving some dark shape moving in front of those windows. I did not mm -hmm. see that, but I was focused on the cat ball. Because <laughs> that's All something that I know I can see. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, Denise S said, my friend and I were standing in the doorway of a cell and it felt like something was running its hand or finger across my backside and thigh. It was happening on my left side. And at the same time, my friend was having the same feeling on her right side. When we switched, the same thing happened, except it was on the opposite sides as the first time. It was like a slow running of fingers or a hand up and down the sides of our butts. Lots of butt stuff like, in E. They're like, let's swap and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> probably one ghost not, with two hands. I'm not making fun of them. I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one is from Stephen B. And he says, walking into building E felt like being thrown into an active prison. We began to see a strange shadow moving on the far end of the second floor. I stared at this solid black mass moving back and forth in front of a window, trying to rationalize what I was seeing. I decided to stay on the second tier alone to see if the shadow would return. I stepped back a few feet to lean against one of the large support columns. As I moved my foot back, I kicked what I thought was the column. It was solid enough to stop my foot and make a noise loud enough that the rest of the group heard it from below. I put my hand back to lean against the column, but there was nothing there. As I stumbled back, I turned to look in how it was possible that I missed the column, only to realize I was still about five feet away from it. So he backed up into some solid figure. Some of these, but. Mm-hmm. Ooh. All right. Why don't you talk about building three now? The, ch the Grace Chapel. Okay. Um. This was the inmates' favorite spot on campus as they felt they were treated the most normal in the chapel. Investigators claim this is a must-investigate spot and see shadow figures, crawling figures. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. No. Like crawling on the walls and the ceiling? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. if I was a crawling spirit, that's what I'd do. That would actually be so much fun to be a crawling <laughs> spirit, but I have absolutely no interest in ever seeing that. No, thank you. Um, knockings and EVPs. Yes. So this is probably not going to be as exciting for you as it is for us because we are knowledgeable of what's happening here. But the chapel was the place where we got the most, um, the most out of everything that we we went to see when we first arrived at the investigation we everybody kind of split off into their own groups in this home base and we were immediately approached by one of the crew and for his privacy we'll call him drew so drew came right up to us and said that they just like to you know check in with the guests see how everybody's doing what your kind of experience level is just getting a feel for what's going on if you have any questions he was happy to answer them and he was actually really knowledgeable about all of the history of the property so, and and that goes for not just Drew, but everybody that worked there was so nice and so kind. And um, I just can't, I you have to go here. Like you just, you have to go here. It was an amazing experience. Even though we ourselves did not capture a whole lot of stuff, I feel like there is things to be captured. Um, and I think that why we didn't experience a lot is something that we're going to talk about next. So, we felt really comfortable with Drew, but like I said, everybody was super nice. We just felt drawn to him for some reason. So we had come back in the middle of the investigation to get a snack because we were hungry. And he had actually just came back from investigating about the same time that we had. So they kind of sh go in shifts. So one group will go out and explore while one stays back in case anybody needs to go outside because everything's locked. You cannot get out unless somebody lets you out. Um, so we had asked if Drew had a spirit box. He was a rocket engineer, which is amazing, very smart. Hmm. And he actually was able to kind of make his own spirit box to where, you know, usually whenever you're using a spirit box, you get that ch -ch 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 sound and it's kind of hard to hear. He finagled a way to get rid of that sound and just hear the voices. It was amazing. Stop. And he was telling me all this stuff like, oh, yeah, you just hook up these things with this. And I put it together in five minutes. I'm like, nope. Okay, that's Drew, not me. well, we're bringing ours next time we come <laughs> to visit and you go right ahead and finagle that business. He had the same spirit box we had too, the same one. Um, and he and did he that just, in five minutes? Yeah, so smart. Gosh, I'm so bad with electricity. <laughs> So they had told us whenever we had started that, you know, even if we go out on our own, but we want to grab an investigator and have them come out with us to see what we'll get, that they would be happy to do that. So we had asked Drew, we said, hey, you know, I'm dumb. I left my spirit box at home. They really wanted to see it because they've never had exposure to it aside from what they'd seen on TV. And we asked him if he'd be willing to go out with us. He said, absolutely, but he had to stay there until the next group got back. And we were, ex it was kind of towards the end of the night. And I didn't want to wait like an hour on these people to come back mm -hmm. to then go out and explore. So he's like, well, you know, go out and then I'll try to find you and we maybe can meet up. So the, the night went on, we did our investigation and about 30 minutes before two. So we only had 30 minutes left. Uh, we had 
systematically made our way back to the chapel, which was closest to home base. As, as planned. As planned. So I'm not as it's so terrible at maps because I figured it out. <laughs> Did you figure it out or were you so scared of getting lost that you just stayed close enough? <laughs> no, we we had gotten we had gotten lost and don't you know, I will ask anybody, any people that we ran a- across whenever we were lost, I was like, where are we? And how do we get back to where we're going? <laughs> like, I don't care if I look dumb. Right. Help me. <laughs> Help me, please. <laughs> So, um, so anyway, it was about 30 minutes before two and we had gone to the chapel, our very last stop. And I told you that, you know, this creepy guy who was not creepy at all, we were always running into him. You know, he was leaving as we were coming in. Well, one group had just left and we had asked, is there anybody else in there? They said no. Um, and then I heard something behind us and I was like, damn it. It's that guy again. We've met again. For the last time but it wasn't <laughs> him it was actually drew and it's just amazing to me out of all the 36 buildings on the property that we had met up at the same one at the last 30 minutes whenever that was yeah. kind of what we wanted mm-hmm. so he started with the spirit box um and he was getting some it took him a little bit but he was getting some responses Um, JC, my second cousin, I guess, um, she had the dousing rods that we hadn't used really at that point. So she wanted to try those before the night was over. So he was kind of helping her through those dousing rods to me. I don't trust myself enough to know that it's not me that's moving them. I don't, I'm not reliable. You Um, can't move them depending on what kind you have. These ones, they didn't have, they were, um, I think they just had the padding around them. So some of them have beads that make it a little easier to like actually turn them if you would want to, but these were just like yeah. padded. Um, I feel like she- the ones that we used at Brownella, I'm not, okay. I should rephrase that. You can control them. We cannot control no. them. <laughs> no. So yeah, I feel like she probably couldn't either. Yes. And, and plus it's all very, like, you have to make sure you're holding them with enough pressure, but not too much. You know, there's a lot of variables and I just can't. For how simple they are, they are kind of complicated. (laughs) They are. So anyway, so he was helping her use those because I am no help when it comes to those. And we were getting a little bit, but then we had, he had asked if the spirits wanted him to hold the rods and they did. Because Drew goes there all the time. They know Drew. They're comfortable with him. And I think that that's a lot of it, too. If you go to all of these places multiple times, I do feel like they would probably give you more because they're comfortable with you. They've seen you before and and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I was kind of like, man, maybe we should have stayed with the group because they have experience here and they are known. But who knows? Who's, Who's to say? So... He starts helping her with those. She holds them. He starts asking questions and they start moving. And a part of you is always like, is this real or is this not real? Especially with the dowsing rods because they're so finicky. And he would ask, you know, we all introduced ourselves. He asked the rods to point to JC, to Christy, to myself. They moved whenever he asked. Um, 
so we were recording this the whole time and then he's like well can we stop the recording and I'm not going to say the name of who he said, because I think that's why he wanted the recording to be stopped. Um, but basically, he let us know that he was an angelic medium, so he could see angels. Um, and he had actually helped a boy cross over from the TB days um, who was stuck there. And he said that, you know, people get stuck here because of family and things like that. It was very emotional. Um, so he was talking to this boy over the spirit box and with the dousing rods, and you could audibly hear the voice change from what was talking to a small boy. Um, and that was pretty amazing. Did he say why the boy was still there? He just said he asked him why they were, why people get stuck here. And he said, family. So I don't know if it's like, you know, the telltale unfinished business or watching over family or or whatever, um, but he just said family. So then after that, it was a, like it was two. We had to go, right? So I picked up my recorder and turned it off. We started packing our stuff away and he turned to Christy and said, did you feel anything, anybody touching the back of your ear, your back, anything like that? And she was so focused on her daughter, you know, doing the dousing rods and things like that, that she's like, maybe, I don't know, I didn't feel anything, but I was really focused on what was happening. And he said, well, you have somebody that is standing over you and watching you this whole time. Now, we've had two semi-recent uh, deaths in our family that were pretty traumatic. So Christy's father has passed away um, about three years ago now. And I just had um, one of our cousins, which we were like three musketeers, uh, Jerrica, she passed away last year, not even. It's been not like even, six, yeah. six months or so, um, very recent. She had a lot of um, health issues. It was not, it was terrible um, and unfair, but so Christy was thinking, well, maybe it's Jerrica because they, while we were the three musketeers, they were two peas in a pod. Um, mm -hmm. They did everything together. And he said, well, it's a man and it's, he's about six foot, uh, about 60 years old. And he's been watching you and protecting you all night long. That's her dad. Her dad mm -hmm. was a big man, barrel chested. Um, funny, kind-hearted, the best person. And um, it was him. He was 60 years old exactly whenever he passed away. Uh, he described him to a T. This man had no idea about our lives. And there's no way he could have known. The fact that he came up to us as soon as he saw us, whenever we started the investigation, I'm sure he saw him then. Um, and mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, Christy's dad would have been pissed that we were doing this investigation because yeah. he was, he was a little scaredy cat. Didn't like scary movies or anything like that. I don't even know if he would have let Christy go and definitely not JC to this investigation. So I'm sure he was probably cussing us the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, his name was Brian. Amazing man. And I think that that there was the best experience I've ever witnessed that I got to see somebody else, you know, accept mm -hmm. that. Cause essentially that's, I feel like that's a gift that he, so too. 
he was able to tell her how comforting while while incredibly sad um but so comforting to know that you have essentially a guardian angel watching over you and protecting you and we feel like that's probably why we didn't capture a lot because Mm -hmm. he was probably there the whole time making sure we were okay which is what he always did you know whenever he was here with us yeah so that story is probably not as um you know telling for for you all because you didn't know him but as soon as he said six foot 60 years old you know it it was him and I'm just thankful. And I feel like you told me this story last week sometime. And I was, and I ended up telling my mom the story too. Um, and I cried both times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as you said that he said there was someone there, I know that Jerrica passed away more recently, but she was like, I didn't even think about her. I was like, it's Brian. Uh-huh. Because he loved Christy so much. And of course, a father loves their daughter. But he was one of those that was like very, like, of course, he didn't leave. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, it just makes sense that he would be there with her still because of their relationship and like who he was. And I want to say, too, that I found this very believable because Christy is not the kind of person that you would like F with. No. Like none of your family is, they will take approximately zero bullshit from anybody Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go along with you. If you're taking them on a ride, like absolutely not. And if I was somebody that was like piddling bullshit, Mm -hmm. definitely wouldn't be on her. No, (laughs) there would have definitely been somebody, an easier target out there. So the fact that it was like, from the beginning and what he said like that's just mind-blowing to me I I agree so much (laughs) I agree um JC immediately broke down um with tears and poor Drew felt terrible um (laughs) because you know but it was it was happy tears it's just it's a sad thing he was taken way too soon Mm -hmm. um and and it's still traumatic because to JC you know Brian was like a dad and he loved her so much too so his two girls you know he had to protect them and he was there and I just I don't believe much in fate but I can't you know it had to have been because he came up to us first within the last 30 minutes. He's there in 36 buildings. He's with us. Like he found us. I, I just, there had to have been something else at play there to make all of those things align to happen. The fact that Drew was there that night. I mean, I'm sure they have a handful mm-hmm. of investigators and and we got the one that's in an angelic medium. Um, So it's just, it's amazing and sad and happy and all of the things and I just that will stay with me for the rest of my life and I asked Christy and made sure you know because this is her story to tell her and JC both um yeah and I wanted to make sure that it was okay that I shared this because I didn't share it with anybody else until she gave me the okay uh, to do so. And, and, and she takes it as, as a happy thing too. And, and it makes you feel good that, you know, you got somebody watching your back. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that, that she has that since she can't have her dad here with her, at least she can feel a little piece of him around. So 
Oh my God. It was so emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Some other accounts of things that have happened at the chapel, again, courtesy of your audio tour.com. This is a story from Nick J and I quote, I was uh, staring, looking down the long hallway that leads into the back of the chapel one night. And I started to see a tall white figure standing in the doorway I looked away a few times and looked back, but it was still standing there. Another occasion, I was sitting in a pew all the way at one end, and others were sitting at the other end. All of a sudden, I heard a big creak come from the middle as if someone sat down, and I started feeling cold. The others on the same pew heard and felt the noise, too, but no one was there. Ooh. I know that feeling of when you start seeing something, and you look away and look back because you're like... Did that happen? My, mm-hmm. my eyes are broken. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what's going on over here? <laughs> but um, another one from a different... Oh, no. Same Rachel. Rachel R. <laughs> very popular. Said, the chapel is a very interesting spot. On several occasions, I've been sitting in a pew, and on the opposite side of the aisle, something has knocked on the pew directly across from me. Another occasion, my group was conducting an EVP session and did not ask any questions, just let our recorder run to see if anything was captured. We captured an EVP that stated, get out now. Yeah. And then you do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The doors in the back of the chapel have also sounded like they were slamming shut one night when they were bolted shut due to the repairs being made in the vestibule. Vestible. Yeah. I, sounded, I feel like I said vegetable. Oh, vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> that thing in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nicole P says, My group was sitting in the chapel one evening and kept seeing shadow figures peeking in and out of the door frames. We also captured an EVP of a person screaming. Yeah. And so the chapel. The chapel. I've heard from the investigators also is some place that they really don't like you to be in because I think it was so peaceful and so important to them. Um, So they do not, they told us also on the spirit box session that we did with Drew to get out. Uh, They don't want you in there because that's their Hmm. space. So um, this is also what we talked about in part one where um, they had like the rotating thing where you could select essentially mm-hmm. your domination um and pray to whoever you needed to pray to which i think is super cool yeah. the um, lazy susan of religion yeah yes <laughs> um so it, it's just a really cool um building and all of these buildings the prison as we talked about in part one it closed down in 2013 so how many years is that 20 10 yeah 10 thank you and wow yeah 20. that's super easy that's super easy math too Oy. um but it's it's amazing to me how quickly nature takes back the buildings um because we'll post pictures of ones that i've taken and the paint is just ripping off the walls um it's just it's so dilapidated only in 10 years and i can't i don't know how i can't remember we said it in part 1 how long this company has owned the property and so it's been trying to be taken care of but it's just so crazy how 
quick. And and whenever you think about 2013, you don't think that it was that long ago. There were calendars strewn about with the 2013 date. It was just crazy to see how much stuff is left still there, even with yeah. all of the people going in and out and doing crazy things. It's it's very eerie. It's just so eerie and crazy. Like everybody just got up and left and left all their stuff there. Yeah. Like they just they got the notice and they walked out the door and that was I that. I think that's so creepy when like people just leave their houses. Mm-hmm. You see, I don't know how many of those people you follow, but like urban people like that check out houses that are vacant and then there's just like all this crap in there from yeah. whenever like closets full of clothes and stuff like what they do mm-hmm. just straight up left <laughs> right well then you want to think what happened to make them just straight up leave because i'm not leaving yeah. my stuff nope <laughs> mm. i don't know all right building f this building is known to be the most active building for investigators. It was built in 1949 as a female nurse dorm room and then was used as hospice care for inmates during its penitentiary days. This building is known to be the most active building. Um, they note seeing figures in the windows on top floors. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And you can hear knocks, shadow figures, disembodied voices. You can't hear shadow figures, but like see them. You know what I mean? Um, disembodied voices, see phantom lights, and hear footsteps. You can't hear all of those things, but you can see or hear them. <laughs> Correct. Well, in, in this building in particular, and I don't know if it was because we had a guardian angel with us, but I felt nothing in this building. Absolutely nothing. Um we oh that's we, disappointing when they're like this is the most active yeah. place and you're like hmm, no it's not a thing <laughs> we did smell cigar smoke just in one centralized location downstairs which was super weird because i mean it smelled like somebody had just smoked Put and out, they could yeah. have they could have but the fact that it was so centralized just like in a bubble was weird um and it was, yeah, it was like a cigar. It wasn't a cigarette. And I don't can't imagine somebody breaking out a cigar and smoking, smoking in the middle of. In the building. Like, yeah. No, no. Wait, and the door to where that smell was is like right there. So I feel like even if it was real, it would have wafted out the door eventually. Because even whenever we investigated the whole building and came back down, that smell was still just as strong as it was whenever we went so that was the that was the only weird thing that is weird but we um we tried spirit box we or um not spirit box we tried the evp we tried audio recording we tried the cat ball everything um but drew had said whenever we had come back from our snack break and we met him there he had said that they do not like him in building f and he actually got just what before whenever he had come back he was in building f and they called him a cunt um hmm. and i would have liked to have seen that i would have liked to see that too because <laughs> i don't feel like that's something that's just like that's a that's a pretty hateful word um that's serious <laughs> But they, uh, yeah, they don't like him in there. I I felt nothing. It was weird, though, because it's where a lot of um, also children were housed back in the day. Um, Mm -hmm. And in the rooms, there were like, you know, the stickers that come on fruit and you always peel them off and stick them somewhere. 
well, it's so funny because on the desks next to the bed, there are a billion fruit stickers on them. It's just so weird that like that was there. Somebody was still. there and uh -huh. somebody did that and it's still there. For, yeah. yeah, forever. It is just, you know, it's something so small, but we all do it. We all stick those things wherever. And uh, yeah, they stuck it on the side of their huh. bedside table. That is strange. All right. Some accounts of things that have happened in building F from your audio tour. This is from Steve B. Loud bangs, phantom footsteps, and faint whispers. What I didn't expect was the disembodied voice we heard as we stood outside of F. I left my phone recording live inside the building as we stepped outside. We jumped into the live feed so we could monitor any activity that occurred. A few minutes after we left F, a loud, clear female voice came from inside the building. As we all whipped our heads back towards F, the delayed live feed played the audio through the phone. It was, without a doubt, one of the loudest disembodied voices I have ever heard personally. Upon further review, the voice appeared to be calling out our friend Rachel's name. Ooh. So they heard it outside, then heard it through the live feed. Mm -hmm. And it was their friend's name. Ooh. Nope. All right, this Bil is from Rachel herself. Uh, building F is one of the buildings that I personally have had the most activity in on the property. Standing on the top floor one night with every single person who was on the property, I heard heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. So clearly that I was waiting for someone to open the door and walk through, but no one ever did. Another night where there were only myself and three others in building F, we stepped outside and while standing outside, we heard a voice yell from inside the building. I verified with others on the property, and there was no one inside F at the time we heard the voice. After reviewing an audio device we left inside the building, it was a clear voice calling out my name. So there's mm. both of their stories. Corroboration. Other. Yes. And this is from Courtney E. And she says, while spending some time inside F building during a private overnight, myself and three other friends experienced an array of its paranormal activity. Being the only floor in the building, we stood on the first floor and listened to the sound of walking above us and mumbled conversations for about five to ten minutes before we went up to check if we were truly alone. We confirmed that there were only the four of us in the building. That's the spookiest part about investigations, especially in a massive area that this is and with the guy or human or not on the chain link fence. Like, you really don't know if you're by yourself and yeah. it, it could be a transient person. And that's the scare. Like that is maybe even scarier than the spirits because <laughs> yeah. human people are way more scary <laughs> to me <laughs> right? than any kind of paranormal we activity. We really need to bring like um, pepper spray and stuff like that. A taser. These. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about a taser. I'll tase someone. I know you will. I've seen one of my friends accidentally tased herself last time. Ooh. There was a taser involved because we were in a parking garage and there was some creepy people. And this was in Louisville and we were mm. in the hotel parking garage, but it's like underground. And there was somebody that freaked us out. I mean, he came up to the window. He wouldn't leave when we Ooh. like we had parked and he would not leave and he eventually left but we felt like he was just around the corner so we got Ugh. out the taser 
and she accidentally tased herself while we were trying to figure out how it works oh my god did she pee she she didn't it wasn't bad it hurt but it wasn't like a sustained tase as you would do to somebody attacking you it was just like a quick jolt i don't know if i'm up for tasing however i will pepper spray the crap out of somebody (laughs) i think that the thing with tasers is the sound that really gets people like you know the So you really don't even have to tase anybody. You just got to. Yeah. Like it's like a shotgun. Just pump the shotgun and people know what's up. They will run. (laughs) Next we're going to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. So this is the next portion we're going to talk about is RHU, which is restrictive housing. Building I, otherwise known as RHU, or the Restricted Housing Unit, was built in 1967 as the original Restricted Housing Unit, or solitary confinement, as we know. Prisoners would spend 23 hours a day in their cell with one hour of rec time in a caged courtyard that we actually got to see. Um, Now, I said I never have been to a prison where I was allowed outside before, and I've never seen so much barbed wire the it was crazy it's like dog a dog kennel essentially is is what it looks like and the barbed wire on the top is so prominent that i don't even know if the sun was shining how much actual light would get through it to go into the cell because it's built up on the sides also so i don't think you'd get a breeze you wouldn't get nothing so it's like stone sides No, it's stone sides on each end, and then there's, like, four gated individual kind of cell things. Um, But So when they were in outside time, they were still in, like, Mm -hmm. a chain-link fence prison, basically. Correct. Yes. It was like a dog kennel. Like, a long dog kennel is what it looked like. So they couldn't, like, go for a decent jog around Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's just, like, here you are outside for your one hour a day. Enjoy correct yep i mean you could probably if you wanted to like do some sprints it was long enough to like maybe sprint back and forth i guess if you wanted to like get some exercise but you would the walls on either side were built up so high and then the chain link was in between them with the barbed wire over top so essentially i mean it was kind of like a lid on top of of it it would be terrible it was terrible. That sounds awful. So prisoners in protective custody or ones that had misconduct would be sent there. And as we talked about in part one, Crescent was really notorious for putting people in the RHU based on a stage five, which would then lower all the way down to a stage one as their behavior and time progressed. But here they let prisoners stay in solitary way too long kind of warehousing the mentally challenged there it was not uncommon for prisoners to stay there for years with the only time outside in those little individual uh canisters essentially after a new rhu was built in building j building i became the housing for special needs mental health prisoners called the ssnu which stands for secure special needs unit and that's pretty much what it was used for prior I mean, yeah, I'm like, wasn't different. Uh, ew. Mm-hmm. 
As we also discussed in part one, Joseph Callinger, the serial killer, was housed here and passed away on the property in 1996. Investigators have heard bangs, footsteps, cell doors shutting, figures, and disembodied voices. So while, while we were investigating, we didn't really feel anything paranormal there. I mean, it was very crazy to see the difference between the cells. Um, and in part one, we even said how some of the cells, there were two people in them in solitary. And I, I would definitely see Shank and somebody that you're with in a cell, super small, 23 hours a day. Um, so it was just really crazy to see how they lived. Um, their jail dealt jail door cells had little pockets in them so they could pass food to them. They could handcuff them, you know, all of that stuff. So unfortunately, whenever we were investigating this section, this, this is also connected to another section where like the, um, doctor's offices were. So there was like an x-ray room. There was a dentist chair that was still there. Um, medication would be passed through like a secured thing. That was pretty cool to see. Um, but there was a lot of people around. This is kind of like in the heart, I would say of the, the whole place. So there was a lot of people passing through and it was hard to get audio without hearing people in the background talking coming in they would come into the building really loud and laughing and all that yeah so if you go on an investigation please try to be respectful of others that are trying to investigate also and don't be loud you can announce that you're coming in but then try to be quiet or leave like leave and let them do their thing and Mm -hmm. just be respectful that's all there is to it yeah I feel like that's hard to like police. Yeah. It's just being courteous. On these, yeah. It's just general courtesy for sure. And there's places where you can go be like, you don't have to be quiet for the entire time. Whenever you go mm-hmm. to your like little hub spot, you can go be loud. Like there are places for it, but not yeah. in the buildings when you know there are people investigating near you. Well- well, we had gone back to E-Block where we started um, and we went to the same side that we had gone to as a group because I wanted to see what was going on. And whenever we had gone in there, of course, it's pitch black. I didn't know that there were people in there and there were. We weren't loud or being disrespectful, but I asked, I said, is it OK? Because they had a spirit box and I asked the two ladies if they would mind if we just kind of sat there and heard what was going on. Um, and they were super nice and said that we were the most respectful. We came in quiet. We asked if we could, you know, sit in on their session. And a lot of people were giving them the same treatment that we had experienced. And that's just, it's just sad because you pay a lot of money to yeah. do these things and you want to have good experiences, ones that you can take home and, 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 and feel like you got your money's worth out of it. But it's mm-hmm. so easy to mess that stuff up. Yeah, you have to have a good group. It reminds me of concerts. Yes, like, yes. I go and see the specific band multiple times a year. Yeah. <laughs> and I have paid a lot of money for good seats, and I've also not paid a lot of money for, like, less good seats. And when I sit in the less good seats, it, there's other people there that are not big fans that will talk through 
And I'm like, I will strangle everyone back here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I can't be back here. I need to be where the other people are. So now I know I just have to pay the money to go see them. Because if I get put around loud people, I... Mm -hmm. I don't have a good time and I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, Just be courteous. Yeah, That's all there is to it. These are expensive situations, like expensive adventures that you are taking. So you want to make sure that, yeah, you're being respectful. Um, Some other accounts from the RHU. This is from Lindsay. I've heard cell doors slam shut in building I and during an event, someone in my group had her face touched, leaving a mark. Wow, so, that's not a touch. Yeah, scratched or slapped, it sounds like. Miss Rachel R. <laughs> says. Again? She's on every one, man. She's been she here. Is. She's done this thing. <laughs> Sitting in building I one night, I was asking questions and asked if anyone was there, if they would let us know where. All of us were on the bottom tier, and I heard a loud, distinct knock come from a cell on the upper tier. And then Matt Z says, we were sitting at the tables and I and heard voices coming from the lobby area. Thinking it was our friends, we went out to find them. No one was in the lobby. And upon contacting our friends, they were at building two. No one else was on the property. So they heard disembodied Mm -hmm. voices. So next Next is building, yeah, building seven, which used to be the morgue. And building seven is the building that we were in whenever serial killer guy who was very nice came to warn us about the guy on the outside of the fence so like the worst place to be right the morgue um did they still have like no work stuff okay no building seven let me see let me scroll up here so building seven actually got it was the morgue and they refurbished it into maintenance so most of the things were there were like tools and things like that. You could see remnants of like the tile floor that was different uh, where the autopsy table would be and things like that. Um, but that that is also where I have a picture of myself. There is a tunnel and it leads to nowhere. They blocked it off. Um, so it, it's, it was just a weird building. Um, but let me see here. Let me get back to where we were. So yeah, it, it was just, it was mostly just maintenance things, screws and tools and, and every place, everything that they had there, even in the kitchen, everywhere, they had these boards with a circle, like outline of what should be there. I'm talking like spoons, circle of a spoon. I'm talking like pictures of what exactly should be hanging on the board that way that the guards could look at the board and if anything was missing they would know what was missing so all around even in maintenance if there was supposed to be a hammer there there'd be an outline of a hammer so there's just tons of these boards everywhere of all these utensils and tools weird yeah very weird um so here's an account we we did not hear anything um, also in building seven, uh, we did take some pictures in that tunnel area that was blocked off. That was pretty creepy. Um, but Nicole P says I was alone on the bottom floor of the building, taking some photos and felt my jacket being tugged on. It pulled so hard that I lost my balance for a moment. Of course, there was no other person in the building. Ugh. 
Uh, Matt P says, I saw a figure at the end of the hallway. All the other doors were locked. There was no way anyone could have gotten past me because I would have ran into them. They were there for a few seconds and then gone. All right. So now we're going to move on to the tunnels. Do you have any? I'll read about the tunnels. You read about the tunnels, and then I'll tell you the story. Because you got a story about the tunnels. Okay, the tunnels connect building 1, 3, F, and 5. F's entrance to the tunnel is now closed, but you can move between the chapel 1 and 5. It was primarily used for workers across the history of the property because Pennsylvania winters are super cold. Uh, they get lots of snow, all that fun stuff, and this could keep them out of the elements when traveling between the buildings. The tunnel did go to Building 7, but when the penitentiary took over, they collapsed this section and added Building D. People have had lots of experiences in the tunnel, including talking, screaming, and footsteps. If you want to go in the tunnel, you absolutely have to have a flashlight. There is no light source there. Bring extra batteries. <laughs> Bring all your stuff. Bring everyone you know. In the middle of the tunnel and your flashlight goes out, you're not going to be having a good time. <laughs> no. So we started at, we, I would say probably about 10 o'clock or so. I was getting hangry. Okay. I needed a snack. I needed to go to home base. We were on one side of the property. Home base was somewhere in the middle, kind of towards the end. But we thought we could get there. So the paths, there's like paths that are right next to each other that are concrete and they look very similar in the dark and we took the wrong path. So we thought that we were walking towards home base and you could hear because the generator right at home base was the only light source. So you could hear a generator in the distance, but I don't know where that generator is. And I didn't notice that it was getting farther away from us. <laughs> so we ended up walking, walking, walking in the pitch black, nobody around, trying to locate some building so we could see where we are on the map. And by the time we got there, we had gone all the way across the property from one end to the other. And we were at building one, which was farther out than where home base was. So I got the bright idea and I'm like, we'll just use the tunnel. We can use the tunnel. We'll cut across. There's a halfway point to the chapel. We can get out. We can be at home base because the chapel is right next to home base. And we'll be at our snacks. And we did not do that. So we <laughs> we get to the building one, which is, again, on the furthest edge on the other side of the property. And guess who we run into? Serial killer guy. Serial killer guy. Poor guy. And we're He'll never listen to this, right? I hope not, because he was very kind. But that's the only way I can describe him. Serial killer guy. <laughs> and I am not shy. And I'm like, how do I get to the tunnel? I need to get to the tunnel. I need a snack. Like, I am hangry. I need something. I'm thirsty. I got to have something. So he's like, well, the tunnel entrance is right there. You just go straight and you'll hit the end. And I'm like, that makes sense, right? A tunnel is typically like straight so we start walking again i am the fearless leader who's terrified um 
it has no sense of direction no (laughs) sense of direction and this is one of those tunnels that start out pretty big and then get smaller and smaller and fun for you (laughs) now it's not like so small to where you're just it's your body's width I mean it's still pretty good size but you can tell as you're going it's getting tighter right um you could probably fit two people side by side and be fine um but still I didn't like it okay we were underground I had flashlights and two newbies who knew nothing about investigating in me with no sense of direction so we we walk and i would say this tunnel is probably a mile long not even kidding you like maybe a half mile but a half mile to a mile long it's long yeah so we walk and then i'm like well let's do an evp session and do this and that and i was like we well, could turn out all the lights and see what and she's like jc's like nope <laughs> i'm like okay. me and jc would be the same i'm like is there a fucking point of exit here we are not doing this in a tunnel if i got to go i got to be able to go <laughs> right well she agreed to stopping she was super nervous and christy you know she's pretty even keeled you can't really tell what's going on in there I would assume she was probably nervous too. So we did stop and we did a little session, maybe like two minutes though. And she refused to turn out the light. She's like, this light's staying on. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I didn't want to push anybody to do anything. All right. So we did it like two minutes and I'm like, I'm so hungry. (laughs) We gotta go. I can't even be here right now. We gotta go. So we start walking and we walk. And we walk and I'm like, are we ever going to hit the end of this? So in the middle of the tunnel, there should be an exit to go up into the chapel, right? Yeah. I am 90% sure we passed it and I saw it and didn't think about it. And we kept walking straight. We were lost, I would say a good hour in this tunnel. And all you could do is go straight. But we it took so you were not long. in the tunnel for an hour i would say not a tunnel for an hour i would say probably 30 minutes in the tunnel i would say an hour collectively being lost so finally as things what were start you doing in this tunnel for walking minutes shuffling shuffling along shuffling very slowly very slowly it was there was a lot of so in the in if you ever go here you need to know that things are bolted were bolted down obviously because it was a prison right so they whenever they would take the things off whatever was bolted they would leave the bolts sticking up out of the ground so you had uh, to be super careful where you were walking like be- trip over bolts and stuff or you're gonna have one go in your foot like so it's it was very treacherous everywhere we were on high alert and i was pretty much dying of starvation pretty sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we walk and we walk and we walk and we walk and I'll, and then i start getting panicked cuz i'm like this should not be taking this long we should have been out of here already is there even an end to this and i knew that some of the stuff had been collapsed and I knew that, you know, some of the closures, things had been closed. So I'm like, are we walking and we're going to hit a brick wall like we did in the other building where it just stops? Yeah. I 
I can't let them know that I'm panicking because then they're really going to panic. And JC was right. already like not happy about any of it. And I knew that. Not so I was like, time. I got to yeah. be the strong one. So finally, we pop out of the tunnel. I see the moonlight and I'm like, thank God. I don't care where we are. I'm just glad that we're out of this freaking thing. You know where we were? On the other side. On the complete other side of the freaking property. <laughs> where you had started. Where we had started. <laughs> we did a huge circle, lost so much time, scared oh. ourselves to death because I can't read a map. <laughs> it was I terrible. I feel like I would not have been able to keep my shit together if I thought I was stuck in that tunnel. Uh, Everybody I mean, would have known that I was freaking out. <laughs> Well, and that was kind of what was playing in my head. Like, okay, do I call the number? Because I was like, I'll call the number. I don't care. They'll come get me. I don't care. I'm laying down where I am in this tunnel. Somebody come find me. (laughs) But then I was like, how long is that going to take? Am I going to have enough flashlight battery? What do I feel like I'm losing oxygen, even though that's just my body, like trying to freak itself out. But I had to stay composed. This is feeling like secondhand air down here. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It was just, it was crazy. So then we had to walk all the way back. Luckily, though, it wasn't terrible because we got to hit some of the buildings on the other side that we hadn't gotten to hit. But by that time, I was like, okay, I am, I am done. I need a snack. I need food. Were you allowed to bring a snack just like with you? Yeah. And we had water. And I think I had maybe some crackers, but I didn't want that. I wanted the good chips. I wanted the Snyder's <laughs> chips. You know, my belly is not that big anymore. I have to be very picky with what I put in it. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. So, so we were able to hit a couple more buildings um, on the way back and we were able to find our way. But that was freaky because you're kind of like in a twilight zone. Nobody knows where you are. There's so many places you could be. You're I don't even ground and it's getting smaller. Yeah, and, I don't even and you thought you should have come to the end already, but it wasn't there. Well, and, and you know, what is that movie called? Paranormal Encounters. Do you remember yes, that movie? That's what that is literally what I was thinking of when you were saying this. I'm like, and then you find out you're locked down in this tunnel for the yeah. rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you so can't get out. <laughs> Paranormal Encounters is a B, maybe a C movie. It's terrible, really. But it's an A plus in our hearts. The concept is terrifying. So they go to like a hospital or something and they go in the elevator and then they try to leave and they get on the elevator and the elevator just puts them back up to where they were. They cannot leave the building. And that was all that was in my mind. But it was fine. It was fine. But I just, I don't even know if I wanted, like, if I went to call somebody, if my phone would have worked. And that probably would have scared me more because that then just sent you right over the edge. <laughs> then I would have panicked because, like, okay, well, we're just dead now. Like, there's no way to get help. <laughs> yeah. Drew would have found oh, us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Some other accounts of things that have happened to people in the tunnel. Jess P says, one night I was standing down by the tunnel entrance in the chapel and my husband Josh was in the room next to the entrance. I heard a scream. We were the only ones in that area at the time. That is exactly why I don't think I would want to go in that tunnel at all. If 
if we would have heard something, um, I wouldn't be like, here today. Like, I don't want to have to run in a tunnel for a mile. You no. know what I'm saying? With bolts on the ground for me to like knock myself out over. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. And well, if I heard a scream, that's exactly what I would have to do. I would have to run until I could get out of there. <laughs> well, and it's just like you were talking about at Waverly being the last one or the first one. You mm-hmm. are essentially, you know, you've come that way, but you don't know what's behind you now. And I don't right. know what's coming at me from the front either. So there's only three of us. We're all in it together. And either way is bad. Either yeah. way is bad. I don't like it. Uh, Matt P says, when we were working in the tunnel on repairs, we heard talking from the opposite end. Thinking it was other employees, we called out to them, but it turned out no one was down there. Rachel R., who has something to say about everything. She does. During a private investigation, knowing no one besides us was on the property, my group of nine were all in one section of the tunnel standing in the pitch black. We heard talking coming from building five and footsteps walking towards us coming from the chapel tunnel entrance. That's what I'm saying. Mm-mm. Thank God. Thank God that we were, we experienced absolutely nothing because I couldn't have handled it. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I would want to go in the tunnels at all. You know how food motivated I am. That's how food motivated I am. I went in the tunnel. That says something You're, about me. Yeah, I really don't think I could go in. <laughs> that says something about me. I really don't think I could go in there because if I had any experiences in there, it would not be good. No. It would not mm. be good. I need an exit strategy. And the exit strategy cannot be a half a mile of tunnel. <laughs> and that was unbeknownst to me too. Like how the, the worst part was not knowing how much longer, like how much longer is this going to take? Cause I feel like yeah. we should have come out already. I need to know exactly where I am. Yes. And it sounds like there's not a lot of uh, road markers in there. Maybe get, Oh, you could get one of those Apple, um, monitor things, you know, what? that way everybody would know where you are at all times in case you like got a, lost. Like the air tags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Does that work from far away? Yeah. Yeah. People put them on their kids and their dogs. They do put them on their kids. But I feel like sometimes if I lose my keys, because I have one on my keys, if it's like in my car or something, because I've forgotten my keys in my car before. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's what happens when you have like the push to start. Yeah, like, you don't, I don't need, need your keys. my keys. Mm-hmm. They just need to be around. So I feel like if I'm in the house and I do that, sometimes it doesn't like it's I have to walk towards the car for it to pick it up. But I don't know if that's just like the setting I'm using it on where I'm like, tell me exactly where these keys are. Mm-hmm. How many feet right. away am I? So that I don't know. And I don't know. Again, just... again, I don't know if there's service down there because there's not great service anyway on top of a freaking mountain so i can't Mm -hmm. imagine you'd have good service underneath the ground probably not oh uh courtney e she says while my group was in the tunnel one night we could hear distant conversations coming from either end of the tunnel and footsteps sounding like they were stepping in puddles walking towards us 
yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. going in those damn tunnels, man. Now that the only terrible, <laughs> the only thing, one benefit of us being loud, um, talky, nervous, talky, is that we didn't give them an opportunity. They probably were having a conversation. We didn't hear You're them. Not going to hear it. Mm-mm. And I wanted to keep the conversation going because I didn't want to hear any of it. Right. <laughs> like this is so. the point in the evening where I'll be having zero experiences. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the the if you want to know more, the youraudiotour.com is a really cool website. And if you go visit this prison, there are little like QR codes around where it'll give you little snips about the prison and what that section is about. Um, I will say that the audio is very short, like 30 seconds to a minute long. I think the longest one is like two and a half minutes. Um, So they're not very long, but it does give you these kind of um, experiences that people had. And I do wish that I could have seen these as we were going through. It would have maybe put some things into perspective, some things that I should look for. Um, and we didn't do that. So I, I did that after the fact. So you can access that at any point. Um, my sources were cambriamemory.org, uncoveringpa.com, crescentsanatorium.com, wikipedia, swpahistory.wordpress.com, justice.gov, uh, the silo or clio.com, youraudiotour.com, biography, Wikipedia again on Joseph Callinger and pbs.org. I also watched a YouTube, a um, couple YouTube videos, Crescent Remembering Life at the Sand by WQED Pittsburgh, and a YouTube Ruin Road Abandoned Prison with a History of Abuse. Also, there's another podcast out there for the booze, B-O-O-S, Crescent Sanatorium Prison. There's not a whole lot of podcasts out there about Crescent. And I feel like this is definitely a diamond in the rough. I cannot recommend this enough. Um, Your money goes to preserving the property, which they want to make into a hydroponic farm one day while still enjoying the, you know, trifecta of horribleness that occurred there. So, um go go visit it's worth the travel you know even if you have to travel it, it is it is worth it yep i definitely plan on visiting with you soon yes we need to plan the next trip and then we'll have to find the spirit box so we hope that you enjoyed episode 145 on crescent sanatorium and prison part two the paranormal investigation and we'll see you next time bye bye 